Good morning. It is Kale and Company live here on WKXL, nhtalkradio.com. Great to have you with us on this Monday, the 16th day of October. Hope everyone had a great weekend. I know it was a great weekend for all of those who participated in the Making Strides Against Breast Cancer walk yesterday, which started right in our backyard here at WKXL at Memorial Field. And a five-mile walk with many cancer survivors in that walk yesterday and loved ones and just those who wanted to help out and try to make a difference. And our travels took us right by our WKXL studios right here on Reddington Road. So it was was a great time, great turnout, and lots of wonderful food. Uh, after the event, uh, much of which supplied by the Red Blazer. They had some uh, some great chili and other offerings as well, a great community effort. So it was a wonderful day. And, you know, you could not have asked for a better day to walk five miles uh, around the city of Concord, New Hampshire. It was just uh, a, a spectacular uh, fall day, and uh, everyone... Uh, had a, a terrific time, and uh, knowing that they're uh, helping out those who are, are battling a cancer in the uh, Making Strides Against Breast Cancer Walk, another great success, and uh, kudos to all who put the event on yesterday. I know uh, Ray Duckler has uh, an article uh, about the event on the front page of today's Concord Monitor, so uh, you can uh, read more details about it there and uh, hear about uh, some of the people that uh, took place, uh, took part in the event uh, yesterday, which uh, took place in the capital city of Concord. And uh, just uh, so, so wonderful to meet uh, all many of the people that were in, involved in uh, putting it on and uh, simply participating. Uh, and uh, if you didn't do it this year, maybe you can get involved uh, next year. I know, uh, Kat, you said you uh, spent a little time in the Lakes region this weekend. I did. And you were talking, we were talking before the show today about the the lack of brilliance in our fall foliage. I know. It was year. really sad, to be honest. I was um, up in Lincoln, New Hampshire with Jean's Playhouse. They're opening their haunted tour called Ghost Light. And um, as I was driving up to Lincoln, it was just nothing there was really not a lot of color you know and that's funny because uh in uh you know the trees i i overlook uh from my apartment uh they uh you know are are simply green i mean in in previous years uh they were spectacular colors and and what have you there seems to be uh a a lack of color this year for whatever reason so uh i i looked it up and it says this is from usa today uh, according to the U.S. Drought Monitor, the number of lower 48 states that experienced drought increased for the eighth week in a row as of September 5th. Now, I'm, I'm getting to the, the foliage part of it. Uh, dull colors, dull colors can result from drought and extreme persistent heat because they put trees under more stress. Any spring or summer drought can stall the beginning of color. 
a drought or extensive heat at the end of the summer, which is the case this year, extensive heat, may result in trees going dormant early for the winter and losing their leaves. We're not necessarily talking about the loss of leaves, but we're talking about the fact that uh, the color is not as, uh, as brilliant as we are accustomed to. Maybe somebody uh, can uh, give us a call and uh, shed more light on it, uh, as it were. 603-224-1450, if you know the reason why our fall foliage is not quite as brilliant in color as we always, uh, you know, we always find it uh, around this time of the year. Maybe somebody has the story behind the story, but uh, it's either drought, and we certainly didn't have a drought uh, this summer. We had lots of rain, but we did have uh, some very warm days at the end of summer, so that might have been a contributing factor. Uh, uh, Catherine, today is Global Cat Day. Oh, it's my day. It's your day. And the feline uh, yes. that I'm deathly allergic to. <laughs> Isn't that something? It's uh, so weird. Uh, yeah. Global Cat Day. And it works both ways here for you, Cat. Global Cat Day and National Boss Day. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> uh, all <laughs> in one. That is so funny. All I love that. All in one on this Monday, October 16th. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. It's also uh, International Adjust Your Chair Day, uh, National Clean Your Virtual Desktop Day, National uh, National uh, Cut Up Your Credit Card Day. That might be a good idea for a lot of people, or credit cards. Uh, National Department Store Day. Those don't quite coincide, do they? National Cut Up Your Credit Card Day. And National Department Store Day. They don't really coincide, do they? They really don't. No. We also have John Leahy on the line a little early. John Leahy like to say early. Hello. John, it's always great to have you on. Late, early, anytime. Oh, Ken, the pleasure's all mine. Well, it's great to have you with us, and we're going to talk a little Hockey East, but I know, uh, I, I understand that you went to the Bruins game on Saturday night. Saw quite a game. Yeah, it was great. Uh, we were... We had nice uh, seats up on the ninth floor and uh, saw the bees uh, hang on to beat the Nashville Predators three to two. Uh, so, a two for two as they head out to the West Coast. Yeah, indeed, and uh, the highlight of uh, Saturday's game: a couple of goals by uh, uh, former UNH star James Van Riemsdyk. Yep, always good when a hockey East guy makes good, right? Uh, a- absolutely. Uh, yeah, a couple of goals that David Pasternak scored on a penalty shot. So you never know what you'll see at an NHL game. It was a lot of fun, Ken. It, it always is, and uh, I, I don't think there'll be a game this year at the TD Garden when the place uh, isn't packed. Uh, Bruins, as we know, had a great regular season last year, the, the greatest in NHL history, but things did not go so well uh, in the postseason. But uh, it was a great regular season, and now uh, playing without the – uh, of course, Patrice Bergeron, who retired, David Krejci retired. So it's kind of a kind of in a way, John, a, a new look Bruins team this year. Yeah, it is. You know, uh, we'll we'll see how that shakes out. Uh, Jim Montgomery proved, uh, you know, what a what a fine coach he is with the regular season they had last year. So we'll see what happens with the uh, new adjustments. But so far, so good. These. West Coast trips are always difficult, and uh, they'll start in San Jose on Thursday night. So uh, we'll see how that goes. Another hockey East guy, Jim Montgomery. 
Yeah, played at Maine. Had a great uh, career uh, at uh, uh, at Maine, and also had some experience out in Denver uh, with the Pioneers, and uh, of course coached the Dallas Stars. So, uh, longtime hockey guy, and happy to have him here. Yep, no doubt about that. And of course, uh, I said it's kind of a new look Bruins team with kind of an old look too, with uh, Milan Lucic back in the Boston lineup. Yeah, he sure, certainly is an emotional fan favorite. Uh, the Garden uh, crowd really responded to him, so he's motivated to be here. We'll see how that translates into his play on the ice, but uh, he should be a nice addition. And, of course, uh, two uh, outstanding goaltenders as well, which doesn't hurt, and uh, some uh, uh, young additions to the lineup uh, as well, and uh, some already making uh, some contributions to the team. But, as John said, uh, it's always a tough test when you go to the West, and uh, the Bruins will be doing that, uh, as John said, starting on uh, Thursday night. And we'll get more into Hockey East as we continue today here on WKXL. John's going to stay with us to uh, talk about a big game last Friday night at the at the Wit in uh, Durham. We'll talk about that and a whole lot more as we continue. Kale and Company live here on WKXL. Presented by our good friends at Northeast Delta Dental. Northeast Delta Dental has individual and family plans designed to fit your lifestyle. Learn more and fit your and uh, find your plan at deltadentalcoversme.com. And it was uh, great to get out yesterday for the Making Strides Against Breast Cancer Walk. And uh, actually, walk with the uh, the Raffio family. They, they usually run uh, events, and uh, I usually walk them. But this time we were all walking because it was strictly a walking event. So it was fun to be able to uh, chat with uh, Tom and Ellen Raffio and, and be with uh, their granddaughter Havana yesterday, and Kitty Ray out on the trail as well with us. So it had a lot of fun. It was like a, a, a walking Friday Fun Bunch for five miles yesterday around the streets of, of Concord and uh, raising money for a great cause and uh, happy to be a part of it uh, every year. And, John, by the way, by the way, this has been designated. I don't know who did this, but Monday, October 16th is National Sports Day. All right. How about I that? Love it. I love it. And we, we also uh, learned earlier in the show it's Global Cat Day. So we're wow. celebrating Cat today, our producer and general oh, manager. Well, well, she deserves to be uh, celebrated every day, Cat. Well, that, you got that right, John. As we as we Absolutely. suck up to the boss, right? <laughs> we'll take a break. Kale and Company continues right here on WKXL, nhtalkradio.com, presented by Northeast Delta Dental. We'll be right back. Kale and Company live here on WKXL, nhtalkradio.com, presented by Northeast Delta Dental. John Leahy is with us. John, our Hockey East guru. And, and boy, I'll tell you, John, big doings this weekend on the UNH campus in Durham as, uh, well, we had uh, quite a hockey game on, on a Friday night. And a great football game on uh, Saturday. Coach uh, Santos, Rick Santos, will be with us uh, after 8.30 to talk about that. But, John, uh, uh, an upset on Friday night at the Wit. 
packed house, and uh, the UNH Hockey Wildcats defeated top-ranked Boston University. Tell us about it. Yeah, well, you know, it's you look at the standings. UNH is in first place alone, right? In hockey, because uh, they uh, defeated BU. I tell you, I was following that game, and it was a wild first period, three-three uh, after one, as uh, the Wildcats had three different goal scorers in the first, but. Uh, Morgan Winters scored twice in the second period, including a shorthanded goal to give UNH a 5-3 lead. And they were able to hold off uh, that solid BU team, Tyler Muslick with 20 saves. And uh, good to see the Wildcats uh, respond on home ice. And uh, they beat the top-ranked team in the nation, the BU Terriers. So uh, good for UNH, and uh, I'm sure the fans really enjoyed it. Yeah, and I'm sure many of those same fans were in the stands on uh, Saturday when the uh, the football team beat Albany in a in a real nail biter as well, but uh, the hockey game was just incredible. What an atmosphere! I did not have the opportunity to go to that one, but great atmosphere at the uh, at the Whittemore Center on uh, on Friday night. And uh, let's hope the uh, Wildcats can carry that momentum forward as they have gotten off to a good start for the uh, 23-24 season. And hopefully uh, that can uh, continue. And uh, it's always great to see that that uh, fish thrown out onto the ice early in the game, John. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and it doesn't get any, it doesn't get any easier for the Wildcats because no. the defending national champions will be here this weekend, right? As the, a, yeah. yeah, Quinnipiac. Yeah, so uh, you know, it's I'm so glad to see the Wildcats have success. I'm, I'm glad to see that they had uh, a loud, supportive environment and. I'm certain that will continue, and looking forward to those two Quinnipiac games this weekend. Oh, those are going to be uh, terrific on uh, Friday and Saturday nights. The defending national champion uh, Quinnipiac Bobcats will be uh, at the wit, and I'm sure that's going to be a tough ticket as well. Yeah, it should be. You know, uh, anytime you have the national champs coming to town, that's always something to look forward to. So I know Mike Sousa will have that team ready. And it uh, should be two terrific hockey games in New Hampshire this weekend. Let's hope they can uh, carry that momentum forward into into this weekend uh, in Durham. John, as for your your team, John, the uh, the voice, longtime voice of the Merrimack College Hockey Warriors, uh, they travel west over the weekend. Yeah, they did. A tough start result-wise for Merrimack as they lost one nothing in overtime on Friday night and then lost 4-2 to on Saturday. I happened to read Coach Scott Borek's comments after the fact, and uh, he was pleased with a lot of what he saw, uh, certainly not with the result. There are some things to clean up, but uh, always uh, beneficial if you can start on the road against the quality team. And although the results weren't what Merrimack wanted, I think the Warriors learned a lot from this past weekend. and They'll face a couple of ECAC teams this weekend, Clarkson on Friday night in their home opener. And then St. Lawrence on Sunday, which will be the only college hockey game in the country Whoa. on Sunday. <laughs> ah, so, yeah. the, so the entire national spotlight will be on Lotto Rink on Sunday afternoon. Ken. How about that? That That is something. And uh, and you will have the call. Yes, Mike McMaker will be rejoining me uh, for the Merrimack home games once again. And we'll have both games Friday and Sunday on ESPN+. Plus. Outstanding. And, uh, yeah, as you say, if you want to watch a college hockey game on Sunday afternoon, uh, there is only one, only one in the country. And uh, it's, it's, it's Merrimack. So uh, what time is that face-off, John? 
Well, uh, Friday's game is at uh, 7 o'clock, yeah. and then Sunday's game will be at 4. Okay. Very good. Right right after the Patriots and the Buffalo Bills. Yeah, I'm going to miss that one. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> You're a lucky guy. <laughs> uh, I think. Uh, yeah. yeah, I don't know. I don't know what to say about the Pats, but yeah. hopefully, me, hopefully, me not watching them will help them this week. Well, uh, maybe, maybe, maybe I'll boycott as well. I know we have our Legends of Hockey banquet uh, that day, so uh, I, I, I might miss most of it myself, if not, if not all of it. So, right. uh, but uh, Merrimack, uh, four o'clock faceoff on uh, Sunday afternoon. Uh, what other highlights from uh, men's hockey East over the weekend? Well, it was a great weekend for the Maine Black Bears as they opened up with a couple of wins over RPI. Uh, pretty good week for the league, I thought. Uh, you know, UNH winning their only game, BC winning their only game over Long Island. Uh, Northeastern picked up a win over uh, Bentley. Uh, Providence beat Stonehill. So uh, UMass, uh, interesting story there. They split over the weekend against Michigan. Uh, they were down 3 to nothing on Saturday after two periods. They scored six goals against the Wolverines in the mm. third period. Wow. And they went on to win that game 6-3. Uh, Vermont with a split. UMass Lowell was idle. And uh, uh, BU uh, losing their game to UNH. And you had uh, UConn and Merrimack also losing both of their games over the weekend. But I thought overall the league uh, performed pretty well. And hopefully uh, that will continue going forward. And, and I see that uh, BU uh, also uh, lost a game on Saturday to the uh, U.S. under-18 team. Yeah, the U.S. Uh, national development yeah, team came right. to uh, Gannis Arena and really laid it on BU. 8-2 to two was the final score. And uh, I happened to see Jay Pandolfo's reactions after the game. And needless to say, he feels like the Terriers have a lot of things to clean up. So uh, Terriers are going to have to work hard. They're going out to Notre Dame this weekend for two games. Wow. So uh, that will not be an easy task. Coming off a pair of losses to uh, to UNH and the uh, U.S. under eighteen developmental squad, so uh, they yeah they they obviously do have some uh, some cleaning up to do. Let's yeah. get over to the women's side of the ledger, and uh, certainly a big big win for your team, Merrimack uh, at Northeastern. Yeah, actually, it was uh, a home, at, a at home. home yeah, against yeah, Northeastern. Yeah, yeah, one nothing win over the defending uh, hockey East champions. It was only the second time in program history Merrimack has beaten the Huskies, and the first time ever at Lawler Rink. Wow. So uh, it was a terrific game. Callie Hogarth uh, picked up her second consecutive shutout, and uh, really very happy for Aaron Hamlin and the Warriors. They, uh, they've they been putting the work in, and it really showed. And then uh, Merrimack went to the Whittemore Center on Saturday and uh, played to a 3-3 tie with the Wildcats. UNH did win in the shootout, but Pretty solid weekend for the Merrimack women as they pick up uh, four points. And the Warriors right now stand in third place alone in Hockey East as they're one point behind UNH, who are tied for second with BC. Well, and uh, certainly uh, we mentioned uh, the Northeastern win uh, at home in, in North Andover. Uh, I mean, very few teams beat Northeastern, period. Yeah, So that's a real feather in the cap of uh, Merrimack. Yeah, you know, Merrimack scored in the second period uh, on a goal by Alex Ferguson. And uh, my analyst, Brock Hines, and I were doing the game. And when we got to the second intermission, I said to Brock, uh, you know, Brock, I don't think one goal is going to be enough to win this hockey game. But, uh, you know, credit to Merrimack and, and their defense. And they were able to 
get some big saves by Callie Hogarth and Warriors hang on to beat the defending national hockey, uh, the defending hockey East champs and a team that went to the women's frozen four last year. Yeah, ab- absolutely. So uh, kudos to that uh, Merrimack uh, women's squad uh, for defeating the Huskies of Northeastern. But I see uh, Saturday Northeastern uh, bounce back at home to beat Bentley. Yeah, that was actually the men's game, Ken. Oh, that was oh, that was uh, the men's game. Yes, that's right. Yeah. I'm looking at the wrong sheet here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, the uh, yeah Northeastern. That was their only game last week. Yeah. On okay, the side. Yeah. And, uh, my mistake. They'll, yeah, they'll head down to Connecticut uh, this weekend to play in the Icebreaker Tournament down at Sacred Heart. Very good. Any other highlights in uh, women's action? Uh, yeah, let's see. Uh, Maine was the team of the week. The Black Bears uh, won both of their games. And uh, we also had pretty good weeks from UNH and Merrimack, both 101. BC also swept. And uh, Vermont uh, split their two games. And we had a couple of teams that were swept on the weekend Holy Cross, Providence, and Boston University. And uh, Northeastern, of course, losing the only game that they played. So uh, it should be uh, a nice weekend of women's hockey coming up as league play is in full force. And. Uh, Looking forward to some great action this weekend. Absolutely so. And again, the only men's hockey game in the country, Sunday at 4, and John Leahy will have the call on ESPN+. Plus. Looking forward to it, Ken. Should be a great weekend. Uh, I'm busy. I have a doubleheader Friday, so let's bring it on. A doubleheader? Wow. All right. You're a busy guy. Just the way I like it. And, and, and your voice sounds uh, much improved. Yeah, I'm babying it as much as I can, Ken, and my wife is looking after me, so I'm, I'm a lucky guy. You are you are a very lucky guy, John Leahy, to have uh, Lorianne in your corner. That That is for sure. John, yes, we will indeed. talk to you uh, next Monday at this very same time. Ken, I look forward to it. Thanks, as always, for having me on. Thank you, John. John uh, Leahy, the longtime voice of the Merrimack College Warriors, our Hockey East guru, and uh, coming up, We'll be uh, chatting, uh, chatting with uh, Rick Santos. Rick Santos, head coach at uh, UNH. And, uh, well, we'll tell you the story coming up uh, right after these words. Kale & Company continues here on WKXLNHtalkradio.com. We are presented by Northeast Delta Dental. Stay with us. Kale and Company live here on WKXL, nhtalkradio.com. We are presented by Northeast Delta Dental, and we welcome back to the show the head coach of football at the University of New Hampshire, Rick Santos. Rick, good morning to you. Good morning, Ken. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's always a pleasure, and another nail-biter at Wildcat Stadium on homecoming day uh, Saturday. 38-31 win over Albany. Uh, not exactly a defensive struggle, but I know, Rick, that your defense uh, came up big when it counted the most. They certainly did. And, you know, I mean, they had four plays, passes over the top that, you know, for some, some game-changing plays that they scored touchdowns on. And you take those, those plays out of it, they played extremely well. You know, we were 1. Uh, 1.5 yards against the rush, but very stout against a big, you know, big offensive line. And, you know, they, they came up huge in sudden change situations. We had a turnover uh, where they held them to a field goal. Another time we went for it on fourth down and didn't get it. And they forced them to miss a field goal. And then we tried to ice the game on offense, didn't get it done. And then obviously the game-winning interception, as you know, with 20 seconds left. So certainly 
um, some yards given up and some points, but when we needed them the most, they stepped up for us. Yeah, I know with, with a minute to go uh, in, in the game, you, you went forward fourth and one at the Albany 43. Uh, did not pick up the first down, but uh, I, I know it's a decision that uh, that you would make every time. Every single time. I mean, we we gotta we gotta put our guys in those situations to succeed. It was one of those things where we felt like they were going to defend up the middle, and we went with a bootleg with Max. Um, and and it was give credit to Coach Catuso and their defense coordinator and their staff. You know, they had it defended quite nicely. They had someone on the edge containing it. So. Tip your cap to them. Uh, certainly at that point, I was like, oh, no, here we go again. Uh, but we had all the faith in our defense that they were going to find a way and, and bail us out, and they certainly did that. Yeah, certainly a, a big win Saturday. Tell us about what uh, what turned out to be the game-winning touchdown for the Wildcats with about uh, seven minutes to go in that fourth quarter. Yeah, um, you know, we were kind of figuring out what our game plan was going to be uh, the whole day, kind of running past it. We were into a groove. Um, throwing the football. So, you know, we, we had practiced that play for probably the last four weeks. You know, sometimes you, you practice a lot of stuff in the low red zone, and then maybe those situations don't arise as many times during the game. You don't get all the way through your call sheet. So that had been a play that we had a lot of practice reps at and it looked really good. Most of the time it was going to go to Logan in, in the flat, Logan Tomlinson. Uh, they did a good job kind of defending that, and then Colby Ramshaw slipped into the back of the end zone you know, did a really good job kind of hiding his numbers there and finding a way to get open, and then Max put it right on him. So that that was huge. And uh, for Colby Ramshaw, his uh, first uh, varsity touchdown, and uh, it certainly was a big one for him. It was huge. You know, he I just I love where he's at right now. He stepped up. Uh, he, he's playing, um, you know, just above his years, only being a redshirt freshman. And, um, you know, I, I think the sky's the limit for him. He's going to be a really, really good player for us. And you mentioned uh, Logan Tomlinson, and uh, what a game he had. Uh, targeted uh, 15 times, made nine receptions, 144 yards, and uh, a couple of touchdowns, so a big day for Logan. Yeah, I think, you know, being a transfer coming in uh, halfway through, you know, the offseason, you know, he's done a really good job getting some rapport with Max. Uh, they spent a lot of time together this summer and throughout camp, so all those hours that they're putting in kind of, away from it um, when, when everybody doesn't see it starting to show up on game day. And, you know, he can make contested catches. He's a smooth route runner, uh, and he's just a competitor out there. He loves those big moments and wants the ball in his hands when it matters the most. No doubt about that. A big, big win. Uh, great to hand to Albany its first conference loss uh, of the season. And uh, you guys pick up your first conference win, so big swing there. We certainly needed that. You know, obviously our backs were against the wall. Uh, you know, we don't want to make it into a must-win game and put too much added pressure, but it was pretty close to it. Um, you know, and, and that's a team that was top five nationally in three or four different defensive categories. You know, probably the best front seven that we're going to see all year. Their two defensive ends uh, were really, really physically imposing players. And I think the, the best thing about the whole game was, you know, they were leading the nation in sacks or, you know, top five, definitely leading the conference. Uh, we threw the ball 49 times and didn't get sacked once. So they certainly we felt their pressure early in the game. But you got to give credit to our offensive line, uh, you know, letting us throw the ball that many times um, and, and keeping Max upright and throwing for the yardage that we did. So just really good job by the big guys. Yeah, absolutely. And and sometimes, you know, that offensive line gets lost in the shuffle. But uh, really, all, all, all things start with the offensive line. 
Oh, games are won in the trenches. And that's, yep. what we, that's what we said Friday night, kind of in the, in the pregame speech. You know, that was going to be what's going to define who's going to win this game. And we had to on both sides of the ball. And then our defensive line as well, we had five sacks. Um, and I think that was a huge reason why we were able to be successful. Yeah, oh, absolutely so. A 38-31 win. And uh, then you go into the uh, the Stony Brook game with uh, that momentum. And uh, I know they, they haven't had a, a terrific season thus far, but uh, any team in the CAA can uh, pose a problem. Oh, there's no question. There's so much parity in this conference. Week in and week out, you're never going to have an easy win. So we're not looking at their record. We're looking at the history of their program, how well coached they are, how tough they are. Uh, they have some really good players on both sides of the ball, including on special teams. And no, we just need to focus on ourselves, keep getting better, keep uh, harping on on some of the mistakes that we've made the last few weeks, and then try to turn those into our, you know our strength and, and uh, find a way again. Anything? I know that you know the defense came up big uh, at uh, important times on Saturday. Uh, anything else that uh, stood out uh, during the win over Albany? Um. You know, I, I would say the the way that, you know, our receiving core blocked after the catch. We had a lot of short passes and quick games, some RPO stuff by design because we felt like their defensive line, you know, was, was so was so impressive. So we had to get the ball out of our hand. But we did a really good job throwing and catching the easy ones. Then those guys turning and blocking and being physical and found a way to get a, a lot of knockdowns. So I was happy with those guys and that unit in general, when they weren't getting the football, they still found a way to contribute and, and be a factor. And and seven receivers caught multiple passes uh, in the game uh, on Saturday. That, that's something. Yeah, you know, I mean, we're uh, you know we're we're doing a phenomenal job through the air right now, and it starts with the guys up front, obviously, and Max is doing a really good job seeing the field, throwing on time, delivering it. But I think you know it's a testament to Coach Watkins, our receiver receiver coach, and. Um, you know, that's a position where it's sometimes egos can get involved when you're not getting all the targets, but they have such great continuity in that unit. They truly get excited when their teammates are making plays right now. And it's, uh, it's special that the culture those guys have. So what are the keys coming up uh, on Saturday uh, on the road against Stony Brook? Yeah, well, um, you know, I'm diving into their tape. You know, as, as we get going, we started Washington last night. They do a good job. They're very multiple on offense. Um, so we got to we got to stop the run first and foremost um, on on the defensive side of the ball, and then on offense, I think we got to do a good job of mixing up kind of our regular calls and mixing some tempo stuff, trying to uh, to kind of keep them off balance a little bit. You know, they do a good job kind of blitzing from everywhere. So hopefully, we can dictate the pace a little bit, try to get them in a little more base coverages, and give Max time time to to kind of uh, make sure we can diagnose everything and make some plays. Is the state uh, the team still uh, relatively healthy? Yeah, we that was a physical game last week. We got we got banged up a little bit. Um, you know, a couple guys are trying to figure out to see if they can go next week. But the, the early reports yesterday from the training room, we should be okay. So you know, you know how it goes this late in the year, battle of yep. attrition, and we just got to find a way. Absolutely. Well, Coach Santos, uh, congratulations on the win. Uh, keep that momentum uh, going, and uh, we will talk to you uh, next Monday. Awesome. Thank you. Appreciate it. It is our pleasure. Coach Rick Santos, head football coach at the University of New Hampshire. The Wildcats now 3-3 three and three on the year after Saturday's win over Albany in Durham on homecoming day. And uh, they will take on uh, Stony Brook. They are 0-6 on the year Saturday at 3.30 at Stony Brook. But uh, 
every team in that uh, in that conference uh, can be very tough. The Coastal Athletic Conference with uh, right now uh, Delaware uh, on top in the standings. The uh, Delaware uh, Fighting Blue Hens have a record of uh, three and zero on the season. UNH uh, now one and two in the uh, conference standings. I will take a break, and then we will be back with more. On this Monday morning, Kale and Company live here at WKXL, nhtalkradio.com, presented by Northeast Delta Dental. We will be right back. Welcome back. Kale and Company live here on WKXL, nhtalkradio.com. See here from the Associated Press that uh, major U.S. pharmacy chain Rite Aid said Sunday that it has filed for bankruptcy and obtained $3.45 billion in fresh financing as it carries out a restructuring plan while coping with falling sales and opioid-related lawsuits. In 2022, Rite Aid settled for up to $30 million to resolve lawsuits alleging pharmacies contributed to an oversupply of prescription opioids. It said it had reached an agreement with its creditors on a financial restructuring plan to cut its debt and position itself for future growth and that the bankruptcy filing was part of that process, as the plan will significantly reduce the company's debt while helping to resolve litigation claims in an equitable manner. That statement from Rite Aid. In March, the Justice Department filed a complaint against Rite Aid, alleging it knowingly filed thousands of unlawful prescriptions, or I should say filled uh, thousands of uh, unlawful prescriptions for controlled substances from May 2014 through June 2019. It also accused pharmacists and the company of of ignoring red flags indicating the prescriptions were illegal. The Justice Department acted after three whistleblowers who had worked at Rite Aid pharmacies filed a complaint. Jeffrey Stein, who heads a financial advisory firm, was appointed Rite Aid CEO as of Sunday, replacing Elizabeth Burr, who was interim CEO and remains on Rite Aid's board. Earlier this month, Rite Aid notified the New York Stock Exchange that it was not in compliance with listing standards. During a grace period, the company's stock continues to be listed and traded. The bankruptcy filing in New Jersey and noncompliance with listing standards would not affect the company's business operations or its U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission reporting requirements. Rite Aid said it was uh, arranging for payment of wages and other costs as usual, though some underperforming stores among its more than 2,100 pharmacies in 17 states will be closed. It uh, earlier reported that its revenue fell from $5.7 billion in the fiscal quarter that ended June 3rd, down from $6 billion a year earlier, logging a net loss of $306.7 million. Now, sad news uh, over the weekend, and uh, that is uh, that uh, Suzanne Summers, the effervescent blonde actress known for playing Chrissy Snow on the TV show Three's Company, uh, 
and who became an entrepreneur and New York Times bestselling author, has died. Suzanne Summers was 76 years old. Uh, Summers had breast cancer for over 23 years and died Sunday morning, her family said in a statement provided by her longtime publicist. Her husband, Alan Hamill, and her son, Bruce, and other immediate family members were with her in Palm Springs, California. Her family gathered, actually, to celebrate her 77th birthday, which would have been today. The statement read, instead, they will celebrate her extraordinary life and want to thank her millions of fans and followers who loved her dearly. So, Suzanne Summers uh, passes away on Sunday at the age of 76. Well, as you know, uh, I'm sure if you if you uh, are are still a Patriots fan, and I'm sure there are many of you out there, Patriots uh, their woes continued uh, on Sunday as they uh, dropped a 21-17 decision to the Las Vegas Raiders uh, in Vegas, and and of course uh, Josh McDaniels, the uh, longtime Patriots offensive coordinator, is now the head coach at Vegas. It was the third time actually that. Uh, uh, Bill Belichick and Josh, Josh McDaniels met in a game. Uh, the first one was when uh, McDaniels was coaching the Denver Broncos several years ago. And then the last two have been uh, consecutive seasons uh, in Vegas. Remember last year, the Patriots lost that uh, bizarre, bizarre game that ended when uh, Jacoby Myers, uh, a wide receiver, on the last play of the game, uh, through a, a backward lateral uh, that he intended for a member of the Patriots. Instead, it was picked off by Vegas, and they uh, went on to win that game on as bizarre a finish as you could ever remember in a National Football League game. And, yeah, I said uh, to whoever was listening at the time, uh, that's going to be the end of Jacoby Myers. That's the beginning of the end of uh, Jacoby Myers as a Patriots receiver. And uh, as it turned out, it was. I mean, he finished the season with the Patriots last year. Uh, but in the offseason, signed a deal with, guess who? The Vegas Raiders under Josh McDaniels. And uh, he's got on, gotten off to a pretty good start with uh, his new team. He was really the, the favorite receiver of Mac Jones uh, last year. But now a member of the uh, Las Vegas Raiders, Jacoby Myers. So, uh, Josh McDaniels, 3-0 and against his old boss, Bill Belichick. One win as a member of, as the head coach of the Broncos, and now the last two years as head coach of the Vegas Raiders. Ezekiel Elliott, longtime uh, Dallas Cowboy, scored his uh, first Patriots touchdown yesterday. Patriots had gone from the second quarter of uh, week two of the season uh, against the uh, the New York Jets to yesterday in the third quarter uh, between scoring touchdowns. That's a long time. I believe it was uh, 40 drives in that time between touchdowns for the Patriots. Well, Ezekiel Elliott uh, broke that drought, as it were, uh, with a two-yard run in the third quarter and then uh, Ramondre Stevenson scored for the Patriots uh, on a one-yard carry 
in the fourth quarter after a nine-and-a-half-minute drive uh, by the Patriots. But it was not enough, folks. Not enough. Patriots lost 21-17 to to the uh, Vegas Raiders on uh, Sunday. In case you missed it, didn't stay up late last night. The uh, Buffalo Bills held off the New York Giants 14-9. to And uh, the Bills now, as we said, 4-2. and They will be invading Gillette Stadium on Sunday to take on the Patriots, who are now 1-5. and And for the Patriots, their worst start since 1995. Patriots in the Tom Brady era never had a 1-5 start. Worst start since 1995 for the Patriots. So when... I was thinking about this yesterday. When do you start? I was still rooting for the Patriots yesterday to win that game, of course. But when do you start rooting for them to lose? I think I've, I've kind of reached that point now. I'm kind of rooting for the Patriots to lose. So they get a higher draft pick. What's the point? They're not going anywhere this year. I can't see them turning it around. They have Buffalo coming up and then Miami. If I were to wager on it, I would say they're going to lose both of those games, and it's only going to get worse from there. That would be my take on it. So when do you start rooting for the Patriots to lose? I'm going to start Sunday uh, when they play the Buffalo Bills. I'm hoping they lose. Lose the rest of the games. Get a, get a top draft pick. And, boy, do they, do they need help. Uh, in on the offensive line. I mean, Mac Jones is getting zero protection. The offensive line is brutal. And as we talked about with Coach Santos, offensively, it all begins with the offensive line. Games are won, as he pointed out moments ago here on this program, their games are won in the trenches, and the Patriots' offensive line is horrific. Swiss cheese. And that's being nice. So the Patriots have to do something. I, you know, Mac Jones, I, you know, in the uh, waning moments of the game yesterday, he threw a sideline pass to the guy who's supposed to be the Patriots' best receiver, uh, and uh, and and Mr. Parker, Devontae Parker, couldn't hold on to it. I mean, the pass was perfect from Mac Jones, sideline pattern, and Devontae Parker. Highest paid receiver on the Patriots could not hold on to the football. He dropped it. Perfectly thrown pass. Would have put the Patriots in position to kick a short field goal and win the game. But he dropped it. These things keep happening uh, to the Patriots. It's going to be a long year. By the way, no more undefeated teams in the National Football League. The New York Jets beat the Eagles. Jets had never beaten the Eagles before. They did it yesterday. 20 to 14. Cleveland on a late field goal beat the 49ers 19 to 17. Both the 49ers and the Eagles now at 5 and 1 on the season. Baseball the championship series started last night in the American League with Texas Shutting out the defending World Series champion Astros 2-0 in Houston. 
Game two of that series late this afternoon, and game one of the NLCS will be played tonight, a little after 8 o'clock. The Phillies will be hosting Arizona. All right, that will do it for this edition of Kale and Company Live here on WKXL. If you missed it or just want to hear it again, right after 7 o'clock tonight, we will play it for you one more time here on WKXL, 1450 AM, 103.9 in the Capital Region, 1019 in Manchester and beyond. Folks, remember, always look on the bright side of life. Have a great Monday, everybody.